everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearly, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Heidi Putin, co-founder at Uruhai Milk Basis. Uruhai is best known for having taken the dairy-free milk concept one step further, creating the world-first concept of milk basis, milk spelled M-Y-L-K, made from nuts and seeds. So hello, Heidi. Welcome to the podcast, first of all, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Pearly. Great to have you here. And I think the first thing you know I'd like to start talking about here is definitely the milk basis. So this is, of course, a brand new world first concept, and it would only be right to ask, how did you come up with this? Yeah, sure. So um, I first learned of the environmental impact that long life cartons were having on our environment when I actually converted my husband off dairy milk and onto almond milk. So a number of years ago. And so together we were contributing about a carton per day. So we were really quickly filling up our recycling bin. Um, so I dug a little deeper and just wanted to learn of, you know, the life cycle of the Tetra Pak and to learn that only a really small percentage of these cartons were actually getting recycled. Our majority of them were ending up in a landfill. Um, my business partner and I, I knew that we had a gap in the market and we set out to create um, our milk bases. So where you just combine the water with the base and blend for one minute and then you've got fresh homemade milk. Mm-hmm. You can't patent a concept. Mm-hmm. So we can patent the ingredients and the recipe, that sort of thing, but not actually um, the idea, unfortunately. Uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so, I know. But, for, but but you've done the whole, the, the rest of like you know the, the the protection sort of part of it, right? The paint for the patenting with the recipes and all that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and trademark the name and the labels and yeah, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, cool, cool. So, um, coming back to the milk base, so I'm also wondering what are some of the main benefits for consumers who choose a jar of milk base as opposed to pouring dairy-free milk directly from a carton? You mentioned some stuff about sustainability earlier. Could you elaborate a bit more? So, not only are you reducing your carbon footprint um, by giving long-life cartons a flick, one jar makes ten liters of milk. But you're also in complete control of making what you want when you want. So Mm. if you don't go through one litre of milk in five days, um, then you just simply make less. So, Mm. you know, you can make, you know, a cup, you know, three, four hundred mils to last you five days, um, just according to your lifestyle. So you're in complete control of that which also means that you no longer need to pour any unused milk down the sink um, because mm. we know that when you open up a carton of milk, you've only got four to five days to use it. So if you don't go through that litre of milk, then unfortunately you're pouring um, the unused milk down the sink. It's also mm. really clean and healthy. It is just like making milk at home from scratch. So there's zero additives, preservatives, you know, gums, thickeners, emulsifiers, etc. in there. So better for you and better for the environment. Also, you know, given that the milk bases are really a world first category of their own, I have to ask, what is it like to have pioneered an entirely new category within this very rapidly growing plant-based sector? So what's the difference between what you guys have to do in terms of production and everything as opposed to those making more conventional dairy-free milk? Whilst it is so exciting um, having created a world first concept, it's also really tough. So not only have we had to navigate our way through 
finding a you know a manufacturer that can make this product mm. but also um researching and finding the right machinery because it's a really mm. complex product to make so we've not only had to navigate that but um it's really hard is not only do we have to bring awareness to our brand and products just like any other business does mm. but we then have to go a step further and we have to educate the wider audience on exactly what it is why they should make the switch and then how they use it so mm-hmm. being a bootstrapped business, this is really, really difficult to do on a small marketing budget. Mm-hmm. So whilst it is advantageous to be, you know, first um, to market with, with yep. a product like this, it also has a disadvantage of having a lot of work. In terms of um, going, you know, into retail, you know, I know that the milk bases are currently uh, more focused in health stores and dependent supermarkets in some countries. Uh, but the last time we spoke, you wanted to go into mainstream Australian supermarkets this year. So I'm wondering how that is actually currently going. So we have recently launched three litre jars. So previously mm. the jars were 10 litres. Um, so we still have those, but now we've got the addition to the three litre jars. So mm. a lower price point, um, you know, more supermarket friendly. So mm. Conversations are well underway with all the major supermarkets. They're they're ready and they are so invested into bringing bringing products to their customers that are environmentally conscious, um, you know, and good for good for people and good for the environment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely well on its way. So now we've talked a fair bit about the firm, the industry. I now like to find out a bit more about your own entrepreneurial journey so far. So I understand that you have a background mostly in areas such as marketing, project management. So. How did you find yourself here, you know, as a food entrepreneur? Uh, I, I guess business and project management skills are really quite transferable with any mm. industry. But um, I never expected to end up in the food and beverage space, never mm. in the wildest dreams. <laughs> but I guess with an idea comes, you know, drive and tenacity and, and we've worked our butts off to bring this vision to life. So what has struck you as the main standout difference between the food industry currently, you know, and what you've been doing previously? I guess the difference isn't so much the industry, but the size. So I've previously worked for really large companies. So with a large company comes large budgets, mm. many experienced personnel. Um, you know, so starting with minimal budgets and just myself and my business partner, it's meant that we've had to learn a lot and wear a lot of hats to get everything mm. done. So it's nice to now be in a position where we can hire or contract experts to take on certain roles that previously, you know, we were undertaking because we had to, not so much because we were the best at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember you just had your baby last year. So, you know, big congratulations. And I bring this up as uh, on behalf of all the budding food entrepreneurs with families out there, especially women looking to join the industry. I would like to ask for your insights on juggling food entrepreneurship with a young family and particularly with such a young kid. Any experience, any advice you could share would really be great. <laughs> oh man, it's really hard. <laughs> um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So I have a two-year-old and a five-month-old. So mm-hmm. the juggle is real. Um, it means a lot of interruptions. It means a lot of late nights and busy weekends, mm-hmm. catching up on work. My husband's not working, so he can he can sort of step in with the kids. Mm-hmm. My two-year-old is in daycare two days a week, which is really helpful as that's when I get the bulk of things done. Mm-hmm. But now that my five-month-old is getting bigger and not needing as much sleep um, as he previously did, I really mm. need help more than ever before. So we're actually moving interstate in a couple of months to be close mm. to my mum for help. Mm. So I guess my advice would be to not be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
like manage your expectations, do what you can when you can. Um, and yeah, don't be too hard on yourself. And also get a really, really good team of supportive and understanding people that are happy to have meetings with kids. Um, I have a lot of meetings with them in tow and I let mm-hmm. them know that that's going to be happening and I set, you know, my two-year-old up with a colouring book and whatnot and we just do it and it, it just it is what it is and <laughs> don't apologise for making it work either. Mm, no, that sounds so cute. I can imagine you, you know, in front of the computer screen with uh, with the two-year-old at the side there with with the colouring book just listening but not really getting anything. Yeah, and then sometimes the TV, obviously that helps a lot. That's like last resort because, you know, you've got some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but otherwise, like my internal team, they are just really, really good with just having, yeah, having her run around and they know that if I am, you know, talking to my daughter, I'm still listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just really, really understanding team. You can multitask and as a mum, you know that you can do two things at once. So it's just a matter of assuring the people that you're working with that it might sound like I'm distracted, but I am totally present. (laughs) And to not apologise for your children either. So, you know, if you've got them in tow or you need to pause something for a few minutes, Mm -hmm. don't apologise for having kids and for them being a part of your life. Like Mm -hmm. you just need to make it work. Is there anything, though, that you wish you had known when you were starting out on this journey in the beginning? Anything that you might have changed if you had known this? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, It's hard because doing anything differently would mean I wouldn't be here talking Mm. to you. But honestly, probably the only thing I would change would be to have enough confidence to hire the right people earlier on. So to take the risk um, and to employ people earlier on because wearing every hat whilst it's really cost effective it isn't always the best way to get things Mm. done as as we can't be good at everything um so really know your strengths and know what is better you know what is going to be better given to somebody else for ulu high you know in the next 12 months and five years down the line where do you see the company and perhaps also where do you see yourself Oh, um, we definitely hope to be in major supermarkets in the next 12 months, Um, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And in five years' time, to be a household name, so, you know, and be in majority of homes, so around Australia, New Zealand, Asia and beyond. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely to just, yeah, be a household product and for it to just be the norm, you know, Mm -hmm. for eradicating cartons and um, reducing our carbon footprint and, and just let that be normal. Any advice for those out there who are trying to move into a food entrepreneurship like you have, for those not necessarily with babies, I guess? Yeah, um, just start. Just do it, honestly. Um, like, what can you lose? And mm-hmm. just take advantage of all the resources. So talking to anyone and everyone you meet, you really can't learn too much. I remember really, really on in the piece, Varsia, my business partner and I, because it was a world-first concept, we kept it really, really close to our um, mm. close to our chests. And it was only when we launched and then we started talking to people, we just got, you know, an unlimited amount of, of knowledge and information from people which made a huge difference. So I, I wish that we'd opened up a little earlier um, mm. because, you know, whilst it might seem like this, you know, really big secret initially, um, it's, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just talking to anyone and everyone and reading everything, like knowledge is power. 
Thank you so much for joining me today, Heidi. It was really wonderful to catch up with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. Thank you. And thank you also, everyone, for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Food Navigator Asia, this is Pearlie signing up. Thank you.